Hello, welcome back to What Was That Again, your destination for all things weird. I'm your host, Elias, and I'm joined by... I'm Jess. Uh, Mike. I'm Gabe. And today we're going to discuss the Great Molasses Flood, a disaster that occurred on January 15th, 1919, in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. The disaster occurred at the Purity Distilling Company facility. A considerable amount of molasses had been stored here by the company, which used the harborside tank to offload molasses from ships and store it for later transfer by pipeline to the Purity Ethanol Plant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The molasses tank stood 50 feet tall and 90 feet in diameter, and contained as much as 2.3 million gallons, weighing approximately approximately 13,000 tons. On the day of January 15, 1919, temperatures in Boston had risen above 40 degrees Fahrenheit, climbing rapidly from the frigid temperatures of the preceding days. And the previous day, a ship had delivered a fresh load of molasses, which had been warmed to reduce its viscosity for transfer. Possibly due to the thermal expansion of the older and colder molasses already inside the tank, the tank burst open and collapsed at approximately 12.30 p.m. Witnesses reported that they felt the ground shake and heard a roar as it collapsed. The collapse of the tank translated all the energy into a wave of molasses 25 feet high at its peak, moving at 35 miles per hour. The Boston Globe reported that people were picked up by a rush of air and hurled many feet. Others had debris hurled at them from the rush of sweet-smelling air. A truck was picked up and hurled into Boston Harbor. After the initial wave, the molasses became thicker from the cold temperatures, trapping those caught in the wave and making it even more difficult to rescue them. About 150 people were injured, and 21 people and several horses were killed. Some were crushed and drowned by the molasses or by the debris that it carried within. The wounded included people, horses, and dogs. Coughing fits became one of the most common ailments after the initial blast. First to the sea were 116 cadets from the USS Nantucket. Rescuers found it difficult to make their way through the surf to help the victims, and four days elapsed before they stopped searching. Many of the dead were so glazed over in molasses that they were hard to recognize. Other victims were swept into Boston Harbor and were found three to four months after the disaster. Cleanup crews used salt water from a fireboat to wash away the molasses and sand to absorb it, and the harbor was brown with molasses until summer. The cleanup in the immediate area took weeks, with several hundred people contributing to the effort, and it took longer to clean the rest of Greater Boston in the suburbs. Rescue workers, cleanup crews, and sightseers had tracked molasses through the streets and spread it to subway platforms, to the seats inside trains and streetcars, to pay telephone handsets, into homes, and to countless other places. It was reported that everything that a Boston touched was sticky. The event entered local folklore, and residents claimed for decades afterwards that the area still smelled of molasses on hot summer days. The accident has since become a staple of local culture, not only for the damage the flood brought, but also for the sweet smell that filled the North End for decades after the disaster. According to journalist Edwards Park, the smell of molasses remained for decades a distinctive, unmistakable atmosphere of Boston. Alright, those Bostonians have got to get a grip. I've heard this story before. Last time it was tea, and now it's molasses. Get a grip. Figure out how to store your food properly. So, they said that there was a rush of sweet-smelling air. I can just imagine, like, mmm, what's that great smell? Molasses wave just comes and destroys them. Well, whenever I hear the tank burst open and collapsed... All I can hear is just Dee Dee's voice from Ultimate Custom Night just going, Uh-oh, how unfortunate. Uh-oh, how unfortunate. Apparently, the tank was also not structurally sound because of a lack of regulations at the time, and that contributed to the collapse because it hadn't been inspected for a while. Well, now that just sounds like a big no-no. You gotta admit, though, this is probably one of the most fun and exciting ways to die. I guess you're right, yeah. I mean... I doubt it, figuring that some people probably were suffocated to death. And I bet most had PTSD afterwards. I was killed in a car accident. I drowned. In molasses. That is the biggest way to flex in heaven.
So I wonder, what about the employees of the factory? Like, it might have been like their lunch break or something, but like all those people were near the tank, probably. 12.30 lunch break, you're sitting on top of the tank, just eating a sandwich. Kick the kick the little bolts on the tank, and it just... I highly doubt that's what happened. I mean, it's probably more of a situation, like, if they were on lunch break, they had to have had some people there to accept the load and move it into the tanks. So I think it was more just a situation of cold molasses trying to constrict and contract and the hot molasses trying to expand and it mixed and it got too much. It must have been a real pain to clean up. Mm-hmm. Though when you said um, everything that they touched was sticky, it reminds me of when you have pancakes. <laughs> you just can't get the syrup Except off. Except for like thousands of people. Yeah. I mean, the cleanup in the immediate area took weeks, but it took longer to clean up the rest of the um, area. So when I hear that, I just hear cleanup in the immediate area took weeks, months even, possibly years. Okay, now we've got some weird laws. In Illinois, the law forbids eating in a place that is on fire. Why would you eat in a place that's on fire? To keep my food warm. Well, you would if there wasn't a law. Fair point. That's why they have it. I think this is just another classic example of the government trying to take away rights. You should be allowed to eat wherever you want to eat, especially in a place that is on fire. You're right. I, I don't think that's the case. I would like to keep my life, thank you. In Louisiana, it is illegal to send a surprise pizza, for which you can get up to a $500 fine. I want a surprise pizza. Yeah, I don't think I'd complain if I got a surprise pizza. Yeah, but nobody's going to send you one, because they'll be fined. I mean, unless you're not living in Louisiana. Though, I guess if they bring you the pizza, and you say, oh, yep, that is my pizza, and then you just keep it, then nobody gets fined, and you get to keep the pizza. Yay. I mean, it depends on the type of pizza for me. Like, I don't do Hawaiian pizzas. Send it back. (laughs) In Massachusetts, you can get up to a year in jail for eating peanuts in church. What about other nuts? Well, peanuts are classified as a legume, so it might be restricted to legumes, but I mean, it's just peanuts, so... Come on, people, this isn't a baseball game. In Virginia, it is illegal to flip a coin to see who pays for coffee. But what if I rock, paper, scissors them? can imagine that scene. No, that was heads. I don't want to pay for this coffee. Sues them. <laughs> and makes it a law. In Wisconsin, at one time, margarine was illegal, and you could get up to a $1,000 fine and a year in jail for repeated attempts to serve customers margarine at a restaurant. Just use butter. I mean, it had to be, you can get margarine, but it has to be on request. I, for one, can't believe it's not butter. No, just, just, no. All right, we'll end it there. And for a final thought, anxiety is like when video game combat music is playing, but you can't find any enemies. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye.